Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours, and we're going to talk sports with you here uh, on the program today. Coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we will take time out a couple of uh, different occasions. Uh, NCMIC, one of Trent and I sponsors, who makes it possible for all of this community service uh, endeavors that you hear over. Uh, over all of these iHeart Radio stations, they um, support us and we support the community through their uh, efforts. And we're going to have on uh, Daniel West from the LifeServe Blood Center uh, to find out what uh, can uh, what they still need. Some positive results, still too early to determine, but some stories. In particular, one that uh, aired in the Des Moines uh, aired uh, was written in the Des Moines Register, published in the Register just before Memorial Day, about a Waterloo man who was on death's doorstep when he was given. Uh, plasma on what his family called his deathbed, and he recovered and recovered very quickly. Don't know if that's a uh, a one-size-fits-all as far as uh, what this can do, but we still, there's a need for it, and we'll get Danielle West in here from LifeServe Blood Centers coming up in about 15 minutes. Our friend Zubin Mahente at 10.30 at 11 o'clock. We'll hear from the governor of the state of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, our, her twice-weekly press conferences uh, around covid as uh, we will uh, update, uh, get back to updating that. And Kim Reynolds will be on the airwaves at 11 o'clock. Uh, and then uh, Matt Snyder from CBS Baseball continues to go back and forth. Major League Baseball. So we'll get the latest from that. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Trent and I are clearly, certainly not oblivious to what is going on uh, in the world and in our world locally uh, around us. But we're going to uh, talk sports. We um, made our opinion um, known yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've never been a caller-driven show to do in part to no fault but our own. So we will talk sports because I believe uh, that there is a section that wants not to forget about what's going on, but maybe a distraction for a couple of hours. And sports can certainly do that. And hopefully they will do that live in the form of games uh, that will be the ultimate maybe not distraction but get away for a while you know speaking of, of that and i i can't remember where i saw it as i've been reading so much as i know you have and watching so much but there's somebody talking about a distraction right now going on we'd be what nba finals would be happening yeah. and it would be that kind of distraction mm-hmm. but maybe Jets bruins for the cup yeah there you go but maybe not having a distraction, this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're looking to advance the conversation further and come about real change, not having those distractions, not having that shiny object in the corner that's going to take your eye away, that is a good thing. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, Trent. I don't. I think that uh, in a lot of ways that makes a, that makes a lot of sense because, look, we're – we're seeing some baby steps, and that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I listened to, or I didn't listen. I watched and listened uh, to the uh, governor and the KO and uh, chief of police was down there. Um, oh, there was a couple of other speakers that were involved, and I thought that that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor of uh, of Des Moines, uh, Frank County, was part of it as well. So people are speaking. Uh, we need to. As it's uh, one of them said at the press conference, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. But that's what it has to be. So, anyways, uh, 
we're looking forward to that day that you know and i believe that these steps will be will continue to be to be made as we said yesterday like if this doesn't do it nothing is going to sadly right. uh, is, is my opinion on this anyways so let's get into sports there are a couple of things in one local let's start with the local i do want to spend some time and maybe this is more of a zubin topic at ten thirty. the zion williamson duke thing is about yeah. to hit the fan right uh, and it's not going to at least on the surface, it appears that Duke and Shashevsky are going to have some explaining to do. So if you hate Duke, um, yes, yes, I do, <laughs> and you're not alone. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that are going to get a great deal of satisfaction that uh, Duke is going to be have that curtain pulled back uh, into college basketball and some of the payments and the fact. Look, Reggie Bush had his Heisman taken away from him, right, for yeah, right. Uh, the arrangements that his parents were given uh, when he played at USC. Well, we see the same. You know, kind of treatment perhaps with Zion Williamson as his parents apparently had free accommodations, were put in a, a home. And um, look, let's not get ourselves. There was a check written, mm-hmm. and there's been many checks written. <laughs> right. Many, many, many checks written. But we've got a an agency and a now uh, NBA player who had a disagreement uh, pursuant to a marketing agreement. And the, the, the marketing company's just not going to tuck their tail between their legs and go away quietly. They want to fight, and they've got to fight, and they're causing a fight, and it's going to get interesting. But locally, Trent, and you alerted me to this one, uh, the fact that today's a pretty big day. Today, right? It is today. Yeah, today. One o'clock? One o'clock, these signatures need to be in for the Des Moines public schools and the community that has got together and said... This new stadium that was announced uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. In the Drake neighborhood. Yep, it'll be right over there. That's what the plan was, about 19, just shy of $20 million stadium. Drake will chip in about $4.5 million. The rest of the money, almost $16 million, will come from Des Moines Public Schools to build this new 4,000-seat stadium. For Drake, they will not use it for football. This is going to be their soccer stadium will be mm-hmm. the home soccer stadium. Very good soccer program, certainly on the men's side uh, for Drake soccer, but that will be their home field. They will maintain it going forward, but this will become the new home for four of the five public schools on high school football at the varsity level. And there'll be other, certainly levels that'll play there. But for every Friday night, and because we're talking about four schools Thursday nights and maybe Saturdays, mm-hmm. that's where their home games will be played. So no more for Lincoln, North, Hoover, Hutchins, McGrain, those, all of these stadiums go away. Well, they're still there. Right, but they're not hosting but football on Friday night. They're not the varsity. Now, Williams home will stadium. with East, correct? Correct. They get to they will stay there. Grandview has done a lot to uh-huh. upgrade that stadium and uh, certainly bring it up a level that we don't see at the other city schools. But the investment was going to be made. Twenty million. Twenty million dollars to build this new stadium. On the surface, and I think we we glanced at the story. Mm-hmm. We we talked about it for maybe a minute and a half right, one day. Right. Great thing. New stadium, great digs, and then I got talking, starting with my wife who teaches in Des Moines Public Schools. She teaches on the South Side. And she said, All right, now think of this. Think of the community that they serve. It's not where we live in West Des Moines. It's not where right. you live in Ankeny, where right. mom and dad can go to the game. Yeah. Gonna drive you there. Not everybody has transportation. Right. So how are you going to, A, just start with the football players. Mm-hmm. Friday night, mm-hmm. it's not just getting to the school. It's getting to the school. So instead of playing on the south side Lincoln home game, Lincoln's mm-hmm. going to play at the... Uh, look, in, in, in today's trend, I mean, that's a lot of money. It that's is. That's a lot of money. And schools, look at, you know, firsthand, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, much ter- how much is your wife spending out of her own pocket on <sighs> school supplies? Every oh. And she's not alone. Right. They all are. Um, could the money be spent 
elsewhere. So this group that is on Facebook, the more... Des Moines Public Schools save our stadiums. Mm -hmm. They want the current stadiums to stay, to be utilized by their high schools Mm -hmm. on Friday night. And instead of the 16 million, so it's 20, but 16 million is coming from Des Moines Public Schools. Have I got that right? Right. Yep. So instead of the 16 million being written in one check to build this new stadium, you know what? Why don't we just take a fraction of that money, say a million, maybe two? And give some to Lincoln and some to Hoover and some to North to upgrade mm-hmm. their existing facilities and keep that $10 million, $10 million important dollars, right, uh, to be distributed in some other fashion. I don't get what's the downside here, other than the fact we won't have our shiny new stadium. Now, this is, see, this is where I was confused, I think, and didn't pay enough attention to this story. I thought that this had to do with, with come and go and Krause's soccer stadium. Oh, okay. You thought it was kind of one in the same? When it came out and you talked about it for a couple of minutes weeks ago, I thought, I, I guess I didn't grasp. Mm-hmm. That this is a different project. This is a different project entirely. Mm-hmm. So this is, beside Drake Stadium, $20 million. How much is Drake paying? Four. They're paying the $4 million. Yep. And they want to use it for sports other than football. Yes, they'll be using it for their soccer stadium. Right. And high, the high schools, the city schools, with the exception of East, get to use this how many times a year? Five? Five for football, say. Maybe you throw a JV football game on there, a couple of them. Well, but They're also going to be playing at their home stadium. That's what I was going to say. So, yeah, would they, wouldn't it be if, for junior varsity, wouldn't they rather play... At Lincoln. Right. What's Lincoln? Hutchins? Hutchins, yeah. Um, the, the other component here... I, I, and then, I get this. I get this, Trent. I, I, I'm on their side. Right. It I makes would a lot of sense. Improve what you have. Improve the stadiums that are already there and improve mm-hmm. the community that is around you. That's what these schools are about. It's about the community. Right. You're taking away from the community. You know how important Friday nights are. Hell yeah. We've been talking about it for years, and I'm certainly right there every single Friday night. How important that is for every school district, from the Dowling Catholics of the Worlds and the Valleys and the Walkies to the city schools to the little guy. Friday night, we just talked about this yesterday. That's what it's about. Going out, seeing people, right. hanging out, getting to see your community, and so you're taking that the, away. Instead of the lights going on directly behind Lincoln State, Right. Or directly behind Hoover, uh-huh. it, is, it is, right? Yep. Um, and North, they're going to play their games at Drake. Or not at Drake, but right in the surrounding area. How do you get the players there? How do you get That's the band just there? It. The, the students that don't have transportation, the kids that don't have a car that are going to drive to the game, how are they going to get there? You can walk to the game or you can take a bus. And that's another component. The DART bus system, you're getting 10, 1030 by the end of the game. Well, they're not taking you all the way back home. No. So even if you don't have a vehicle, but I want to go to the game and I'm going to bus there. Mm-hmm. You can bus there, but you're not going to bus home. Mm-hmm. Now, what? Got to get an Uber? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you have to do just it's to go defeating, to a high school? It's football. defeating the purpose. It is. So so can this be stopped? That's what they're going through right now. And, these and they are needed how many signatures? 5,300, I believe. And they're the just shy of 7,000 as we go on the air right now? So they've, they've hit the number. You yeah. have until 1 o'clock to sign this petition and when they have to basically hand it over. And then in turn, it will turn into now another public forum to figure out what this is going to do. Now, there, there is a question that I still maintain, and I haven't seen a direct answer. You mentioned the money. The money, take this $15 million and invest right. back in the schools and invest back in the stadiums and on and on and on. A lot of times these are grants. These are grants that sometimes are earmarked for specific capital improvements. 
A lot of people say, well, I mean, I, I think of my wife's school, Park Avenue. It's rough. Mm-hmm. There, there are ports of it. There are days you walk in and it's 90 degrees in the building. There's walk mm-hmm. in the other day and the air conditioner really kicked on. Right. And it's 60 degrees in there. Or and, how about the lunch program? Why, right. why, why don't we use that to, you know, because uh, at the end of the year, aren't kids in, in, in arrears on some of their lunch lunches, right? Yeah. And I know Southeast Polk, I just saw something on the register site. Somebody wrote a check and made it made all these people that were behind on their students' lunches, they made it good, which was an incredibly yes. kind gesture. This money can be used elsewhere. So who at the public schools, who at the Moines Public Schools is behind this? I mean, who wants to do this? Right. Who thinks that the right move is to write this $16 million check? The school board, when this was announced, they approved it unanimously. Every every single one, there was not a dissenting vote out of the school really? board. Is this just... Well, I don't get what I'm missing. We must be missing something. There has to be. And, yep. and we'll do a little bit more digging and talk to a few more people and see... Because there has to be the other side. Because initially I was on that other side. Oh, a new stadium, that'll be great for the kids. But then you think about all these avenues that are in front that you have to hit. Yeah. And getting the people there and making the community a part of it. Huh. And on and on and on. And it frankly doesn't make a whole lot of sense. For Roosevelt, if this was a Roosevelt thing alone, mm-hmm. that would make sense. They play at Drake every time. It's in that community. It's in that part of the city. Right. Okay, I can understand it. It's a big stadium, and yeah, right. It's not a lot of atmosphere right. at, at Roosevelt games, I'm assuming. So because Although of that, Coach Moore's done a hell of a job yes, over there. Yes, he has, and continues to yeah. build that program up. But yeah, you have a 4,000 seat stadium. That that'd be great. But uh-huh. now was Roosevelt? Would they pay 50 million dollars on their own? Of course well, not. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. You have the other components: Thursday night games, Saturday games. Just. It doesn't have that same kind of feel. Trent, we're missing. We have to be missing something in this story. Or is it just a shiny object for the school board and the superintendent well, the to show up? Look at our beautiful new yeah. stadium we built. Is this? Yeah. Hopefully, it's not as simple as that, but it very well could be. Has the Des Moines school board have a history of throwing around money? I I, I highly doubt it. I found this from the Des Moines Register uh, from a month ago when this came out, okay. talking about it and what they have done in terms of upgrades. As a whole, over the last 20 years, the district has spent $631 million to improve school buildings and facilities. None of that money has gone, though, to upgrading existing stadiums or building new ones, according to the district. So they have invested inside the buildings. They have invested inside the actual schools. But if you have this money, you have it earmarked. I was just at, I did a game last year at Lincoln. It was in the press box. It was rough up there. Uh It was dilapidated. It Uh was... Could fit five people up there. See, I've been to a game there, and I enjoyed it, because I sit in the end zone, probably the north end zone, yeah. with all the trees back there. Yes. And, yeah. and I I enjoyed watching, I don't know, it's been a while, 10 mm-hmm. years, 12, 15, I don't know how many years it was, but that's part of the community. Why would they give up that part of the community to get on a bus or you jump in your car and go over to Drake? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Like you said, we have to. there has to be a component that we're missing, but on the surface level... Where's that petition? I don't know if I can sign it, but if I can, we got till one o'clock. Got till one o'clock, and they've got enough. They've got enough names on it, so they're yeah. they want to get what eight thousand names? Eight thousand. They want to show that this is not just it's not just a bunch. of We people. just didn't sneak over the five thousand right, threshold. Right. We marched right past that number. This is a citywide. People do not want this. They want their community stadiums, and the upgrades are needed. As I yes. said at Lincoln, not just the press, but earmark that money for the stadium improvements, yes. the local stadium. The fields, and they're still going to be playing games at these fields. Well, if you upgrade the stadium as a whole, 
Maybe you take that money and you're able to invest in field turf or even a new drainage system, whatever it may be to make the field better for all the kids from seventh grade all the way through the varsity Mm -hmm. level. You're doing that for the community. Makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, it does to me too. Well, interesting. One o'clock. So one o'clock comes and goes. They Mm -hmm. turn in the, say, 8,000 again if you're interested. Um, You're you're better at Facebook. Well, I'm not very good at Facebook (laughs) at all. Uh, How do we find it? It's on Facebook. It's Des Moines DMPS Save Our Stadium on Facebook. Yep, Save Our Stadiums on Facebook is where you can find it. So if you're looking for more information, looking for ways to get involved, or looking for a way to sign that petition, uh-huh. that's where you go again till 1 o'clock today. You can do that, and we'll see what the next steps uh, come out of this. But well, they have to listen now, right? If they've, yes. got, the, if yep. they've got their signatures, and they do, mm-hmm. apparently. So... Um, what am I missing? <laughs> right. It seems pretty cut and dry to me. Spend the spend the money at North. Spend the money at Lincoln, at Hoover. Uh, do what you have to do. But, um, okay. Anyways, we're going to move on. We're going to get Daniel West from Life Serve uh, Blood Support uh, in here. Life Serve Blood Center uh, in here. We'll find out what's going on uh, in that area. We'll get Zubin Mahente at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Zubin, Trent, and I will go around the world of sports, Major League Baseball. Boy, the owners suck it right back in the players' face yesterday. Uh, 50 games. 50 games. Screw the 114. You want to be, sir? You, you want to, uh, us to live up to what we said we're going to pay? All right. We're only going to pay a per diem. Um, or pro bono or whatever. What's the term? I'm missing a legal term. Uh, based on the 50 games, maybe 40. They threw that out there. 40 to 50 games. That's never going to fly. I mean, that's not a season. That's not a baseball season. So they're at least, I, you know what? It might take away from it. At least they're talking and, uh, and we'll see if they can uh, take some steps forward. But the clock is t- ticking um, as they try and get something done. Of course, the NBA seems like they're headed to Orlando. Uh, so some topics to get with uh, to Azuba Mahente, including uh, this, uh, this Duke story that is about to get nasty. I wonder if there'll be a settlement. I wonder if oh. I wonder Zion's people say, all right, you know what? We signed this marketing agreement with you, Ms. Ford. I don't remember the name of the um, I don't either uh, yeah. the agency that he was working with, but uh, they started to negotiate the, the Pumas, Puma or Puma? Puma. Puma. It was Puma where I grew up. Well, it was, but it's, just, it's also a boot. Where it you is grew a boot. Up. Yeah, out, out in a boot. Let's get Daniel West. We'll go out in a boat with the uh, LifeServe uh, Blood Center. Uh, Daniel, Trent, Ken, thank you for coming back on. Appreciate it. Um, you know, I saw a story in the Des Moines Register, and I thought of you and your group immediately. I'm not sure if you saw this. It was right before Memorial Day, I want to say, and there was a uh, a custodian who works in Waterloo, 35-year-old man who was at death's door according to his family. I mean, he was, and I'm quoting, hours from succumbing to the coronavirus. And he was in Iowa City uh, at the University of Iowa Hospital and last minute was given plasma in an attempt to fight off the virus and save his life, quite frankly. And within hours, he was on the mend and within days was ready to go home and he can't get back to work and I'm assuming he's already back, couldn't wait to get back to work and I'm assuming he's already across that threshold. So this can work, Danielle. Good to speak with you. Are you familiar with the story I'm referencing? Yeah, absolutely. And we've heard quite a few of these stories and it's it's great to hear that convalescent plasma is making that big of a difference with COVID-19 patients really nationwide. Is this, um, I mean, are there patients that this is not having that same effect on? 
You know, there are some that they haven't seen um, as good of an effect on. They are seeing more that if they're getting that convalescent plasma immediately, as soon as possible, that they have a better outcome. Some of the patients that it's taking a while or maybe they ask for it later, like the physician asked for it later, haven't seen quite the same effect. So we've seen that if we can get it to the hospital ASAP for that patient, that they have a much better chance of recovering quickly. So, Danielle, it is uh, the time you've told us in the past as we're inching our way towards summer, hit 90-plus uh, degrees today here in the metro. With it, this is the time where more blood is needed for people that have been on the fence or just with everything that has gone on in our world over the last three months. If you're on the fence, the time is now. The importance of donating blood at this time, it's huge just because the n- amount that is needed out there, it goes up during the summertime. Absolutely. So most of our hospitals are really back to the levels that they are requested prior to COVID-19. They're doing more surgeries. They've really opened up to the normal normal way that they need blood every day. And that goes up in the summer just because people are out, busy, more traumas happen. They actually refer to it as trauma season because, you know, accidents happen as people are out having fun in the summer. So the need goes up. But really, the amount of donors we see in the summer goes way down because people mm. are having fun and not thinking about blood donation. So we try every day to remind people that we still need these donations to come in consistently for our hospitals. You know, I, and when I uh, clicked on your website earlier today, lifeserveblood.center.org, I saw Blood Donor Day uh, 2020 coming up. Is that just a one-day deal, or is that just uh, an impetus to you know for to remind people that uh, we need help? Is it uh, what is Blood Donor Day 2020? So it is a one-day big blood drive that we have on Thursday, June 18th out of Valley West Mall. We're celebrating National or World Blood Donor Day, which is on June 14th. Um, but So really, we try to tie an event to that. But we need donations now and really up to that event and even after as we head into the July 4th holiday. So if people want to mark their calendar and make an appointment for Blood Donor Day here in Des Moines on June 18th, they can do that, or they can come into one of our seven centers across the state. We do have some mobile blood drives getting back on the calendar as well, so we definitely need donations next week and really through the summer, especially around that July 4th holiday, too, which is a tough one for us. Well, I just made a note to get in touch with you that week. What would uh, The 18th is a Thursday. What day would be good good for you? Wednesday, Tuesday, you tell us. Yeah, that would be great. Either one? Tuesday. Yep, we're telling people to, we're still asking donors to make an appointment. Yep. Um, So we know exactly how many people are coming in. So we're pushing that schedule. That is out there right now for people to donate. Um, And then we're just reminding people that week that they can, I'm sure we'll still have appointments available on that day for folks to come out and donate. Well, we'll have you on on Tuesday the 16th to continue to. Perfect. uh, Absolutely. Go ahead, Trent. People making a blood appointment for the first time, masks are a part of it now. Tell us a little bit about that. And for people that have never donated blood before, what kind of going through an appointment, what it's like for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're an essential business. We're exempt from groups of 10 or more and some rules like that that have been in effect because we still need blood donors to come in, but we're absolutely taking all the precautions necessary. We're asking all of our team members, visitors, blood donors to wear masks during their donation. We're providing them if they don't have them. 
We're asking people to make appointments so we know how many people are coming in. Um, we're having people take their temperature before they come in just to make sure that they're well and healthy. So they could give us a call if they have questions. They can absolutely give us a call and ask any of those. We can help get them scheduled. Or they can go to our website, lifeservebloodcenter.org. We have a whole page on all of our COVID-19 precautions we're taking and then how people can make an appointment. Really from there, the process takes around 45 minutes to an hour to give one pint of blood, which we then separate into three different donations. And that goes to our community hospitals right here in central Iowa. Mm. Well, encouraging news on the uh, convalescent plasma, Danielle. Uh, look, it worked for that guy. What a remarkable turnaround. It's, his family says it saved his life, uh, that he was on death's door uh, and was given this uh, gift of life, and, and it truly was uh, in his case. Uh, life Serve Blood Center, you can find them online, as Danielle mentioned, the website, lifeservebloodcenter.org. All the info on there. Blood Donor Day coming up on June the 18th. We will talk to you that week, Danielle. Uh, great stuff uh, that you guys are doing over there and thanks for coming on this morning thank you so much i appreciate it good to talk to you talk to you in a couple of weeks so you long too. take care bye-bye thanks. danielle west uh from lifeservebloodcenter.org so i just got a text from somebody i respect uh-huh. uh in uh that's um in the loop high school wise okay I want to read it verbatim the kids want to play in a nice place they feel that they that the that the have nots such are the, they feel like the haves, such as Valley, Southeast Polk, Urbandale, blah, dot, dot, dot. Uh, they all made big, shiny upgrades. The money spent at each stadium will be more than one place. Uh, Valley kids have to drive the stadium. Dowling kids bus to Valley and East, uh, etc. So the kids want to play in a nice place, I think, is the biggest takeaway from that. I can buy that. And that's, a, that's where I was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But if mom and dad and grandpa and grandpa can't get to the game, yeah, I, I get it. I, I'm with you. I, I don't like upgrade the bleachers. You got if you each get two million dollars. I have no idea how far that would go. I don't I have, either. I have no idea. I like the idea of keeping it in your backyard. I'm right there with you. Yeah, you know, and and the West Des Moines district, it's different. It's bigger. Mm-hmm. It's sprawling compared to a community stadium. The South Side serves a very large area itself, but just that that part of it. Dowling is completely different. They are right. It's a private school. Right. We're talking different. Not even apples and oranges. We're talking apples and hammers. <laughs> completely different when you're talking about one of the city schools compared to a private school in West Des Moines. Those are different avenues. I can get it though. I mean, you you see and you go in a road game and well, you're playing a Valley Stadium and look at those locker rooms. Yeah, I know. Look at this turf mm-hmm. and look at what these guys get to play on each Friday night and mm-hmm. we're here. But if that investment then is made in that stadium, is McGrain going to turn into Valley Stadium? No, no but no. it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. But And, and that's a part of it, too. That's and the, as you mentioned, how much have they spent? Six hundred and something million dollars and haven't touched? And I'm not saying they should have touched right, the right. outside. But now they've got an opportunity to do that. Because mm-hmm. that money's going to be spent on a stadium. It's already been earmarked. Right. Wouldn't it be better served? I don't know. We'll take a time out. Zuba Mahente will join the program next. We're talking sports. Uh, with uh, Miller and Condon, 11 o'clock, Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa. She's got her twice-weekly COVID press conferences. Remember COVID? That, that's like still a, a thing? long time ago. I'm over that.
You know what? I it's, it's so it down the back burner. Is it really is the news cycle? Mm-hmm. This is going to dominate for a while, though. Yeah. What we're going through now, and it should. Uh, but we'll hear from Governor Kim Reynolds in about a half an hour, uh, and then Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Uh, he covers MLB. He's one of their writers, and we'll pick his brain on what MLB potentially, or is it going to even get off the ground? I mean, that's still part of the conversation here till noon, fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred six today. Time to talk about our friends at Fuller Dental. Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. Doc, I'm assuming that, you know, it used to be somewhat of a pain to go to the dentist, but I'm guessing your patients are thanking you, Doc. You know, they get down uh, at the, in the appointment or even during the appointment, they uh, actually are thanking us uh, for being there and helping them out. Never wanted to go to the dentist as badly as they did possibly. Don't know what you got till it's gone. It's gone no longer. Fuller Dental, two locations, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Let's get our friend Zubin Mejente in here as we... Talk to World of Sports with Zubin. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Zubin? Doing well, guys. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you uh, for asking. So let's get to uh, a, a story, Zubin, that I think is maybe going to become a bigger talker as we get uh, as people become more familiar, maybe, with the Zion Williamson, Gina Ford, Creative Art Agency uh, lawsuits that are going back and forth, and a Florida judge denying a stay, which I think opens the door from this non-legal mind uh, to having Zion Williamson and Mike Shashevsky have to uh, be part of discovery and answer some maybe some difficult questions as to what Shashevsky knew and how Duke made it possible uh, for Zion Williamson's family to live where they did and who knows what kind of uh, monetary benefits were received. But this is a story that I think, you know, obviously is getting overshadowed and rightly so with everything that is going on. But this could potentially as a big is a big story, Zubin. Oh, no question about it. I totally agree. And I think there's three main points to be made. Zion really isn't going to have to bear the brunt of any of this. I think, essentially, if he could just settle with Gina Ford, this would be over. It just leads to so many questions. You know, why would he sign with Gina Ford? She doesn't run a big-time agency. You mentioned CAA, the Creative Artist Agency, who he's with now. That's a huge, dominant agency. And remember, he didn't sign with Gina Ford until five days after Duke was eliminated by Michigan State in the Elite Eight. So it can't go back to Zion didn't know his value. I mean, I think the second Zion signed with Duke before he even scored a basket, everybody knew how huge he was going to be. But when you look at it and say, what was the connection to Gina Ford anyway? She wasn't even a registered agent in the state in which she was working, North Carolina. She wasn't really registered down in Florida. A lot of these other places. So a lot of people were kind of wondering why Zion would be connected with her. Obviously, right now, she just wants a settlement. And I think if Zion and her to come to some agreement, that part of it would be over. That's part one. Part two is Duke. You know, people have been screaming from the mountaintops for years that Mike Krzyzewski has been kind of skating while other programs have paid the price. Now, I don't know if that's true. It could just be jealousy. It could partly be true. It couldn't be true. It could be anything. But I think there's a lot of people that have felt that over the years, Duke has been involved with as many high-profile athletes as Kentucky and Kansas and programs that have hit the bullet with the NCAA, while Duke has really not paid 
a price. So that could be really interesting because I think there's a lot of teams and programs and coaches, former coaches, that have sort of been waiting for this day. Not in a revenge sort of way, but the sort of if everybody's going to play by the rules and everybody needs to play by the rules. And the third thing is, which is undeniable, is Kansas assistant Curtis Townsend in the college basketball trial, which basically was a huge stud, and nothing really happened unless your name is Rick Pitino. Nothing really <laughs> happened to you. Kansas assistant Curtis Townsend is essentially on a wiretape, indisputable, basically saying Zion's stepfather, he was raised by his mother and his mm-hmm. stepfather. They want jobs. They want money. They want housing. What are we going to do? And Townsend essentially said, if it means getting this kid in our campus for 10 months, we're just going to have to do what we have to do to get there. And that is indisputable. That doesn't mean you did anything wrong. That just means they were talking to Kansas in a nefarious way. That doesn't implicate Mike Krzyzewski in any way. But those are the three prongs. I think Zion could just wash his hands, pay a small settlement. He had a $75 mm-hmm. million dollar shoe contract. So he can just probably make this go away, even though she's doing for $100 million. I don't think she's going to get $100 million. But he could get this go away. Mike Krzyzewski, Mike Krzyzewski obviously is going to have to deal with some of the remnants. And that wiretap is going to play some role down the line somewhere. You know, I, I was thinking as you're talking about this, as you look to the dirty underbelly of college basketball and thinking to the summer, I think of Peach Jam, small gyms in Augusta. You get coaches that are 60, 70, 80 years old, shoulder to shoulder in a hot, sweaty gym. AU basketball is going to be different. And with it, the underbelly might be a little bit different. Good thing, bad thing for college basketball, what's happening with COVID-19 and maybe AAU basketball, certainly as we know it for this summer, going away. Correct. You mentioned the Peach Jam, which is in North Augusta, South Carolina, a big-time AAU event where all the top teams show up. Nike has their East Coast Youth Basketball League and Adidas as a team. But as you mentioned, that's all done. Uh, Basically, once Nike announced that they weren't going to bring their elite camp to the Peach Jam, the Peach Jam was essentially... Uh, canceled. Like you said, cramped quarters, small gym, gigantic event. It's almost outgrown its venue, but this year they're not going to have to worry about it. The trend raises an issue that you bring up that I think is a good one. You know, Jim Beheim. I'll just use Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim is, I think, 76, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I mean, so can you imagine him in a game in November? It's the under four timeout. Dan Schulman and Jay Billis are coming mm-hmm. back from a break on ESPN, and 76 year old Jim Beheim is huddled around five sweaty guys holding a dry race board in front of 35,000 people at the Carrier Dome. That just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And this is something that a lot of other sports are dealing with, too. Many people are focusing on the athletes, in this case, 18 to 22. But there are a ton of guys, you guys know, there's a ton of guys, assistant coach-wise, that are in that susceptible range. So it's not just a 76-year-old head coach that has to deal with it. Really coach from a box, really be physically separated from the team, how often will the team be tested? What will his role be at practice? Um, but, you know, there's a ton of assistants out there that are in their 60s and 70s, and those people need to be taken care of uh, as well. But I agree. You're, you're raising a very good point. Right now, college basketball can avoid it because they've canceled all of their tournaments with regard to high school prospects. But when the season begins, it'll be interesting to see because all the coaches you mentioned, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Beheim, all these guys, are older guys. You know, every once in a while you're going to get your, your Steve Proms or Juwan Howard, but even a coach like Coach France should be seriously worried about it with regard to his age. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the fall uh, just because of the juxtaposition and the fact that you're traveling all the time. Hmm. Zubin Mahanti is our guest. Zubin, um, 
we sports are going to be different this year. They they just are in in uh, in all likelihood. I mean, we hope they're not, but they're, we, we're already seeing this now, right? More teams are going to make the NHL playoffs. Uh, the NBA is going to figure out to play. They want to play the remainder of their regular season before the playoffs, but it's all going to be in Orlando. Major League Baseball, we don't know what they're doing going back and forth. The reason I'm going down this road with you is Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, I thought he had a really good point yesterday, and it, it had to do with bowl games, and obviously ESPN plays such a big role uh, with, with bowl games, and it's such a you know, monetarily a, a big, big, uh, economic driver. So his point was, you know, what if, you know, what if the, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis might go away because people just don't want to get on planes and, and fly in the pinstripe, the pinstripe bowl in, in Yankee Stadium? What if we put Iowa versus Missouri in the, uh, whatever the dome is called in, in St. Louis? Or, you know, Iowa State would play a Purdue, uh, in the RCA Dome or in Indianapolis and there'd be, game taking place up in the Twin Cities um, under the roof there. Might we see something like this, Zubin? Might this cause some outside-of-the-box thinking where the bowl season isn't what we, what, we, what we expect to be the norm, but for this year it's the new norm and we want to get these bowls, we want to reward these kids with postseason play. Here's the way we're going to do it. Does it make sense, potentially? I think potentially it makes sense. Obviously, I think it's all contingent upon what happens in the fall. If there's a second surge and suddenly the priority becomes let's just try to finish the season let's just try to get something finished um you can say let's get everybody off campuses by thanksgiving because that's when we think the second surge is going to come but i think the one thing that we've all learned is the virus has a mind of its own and it's going to attack whenever it feels the need to attack and there's still so many things we don't know about it we're just pinpointing and saying let's get things done by thanksgiving so we could get students out of there, then we can get players in position to play in bowl games. I think it's just one of those things where a lot of it, like the other sports you just mentioned, Ken, are wishful thinking. The other thing, though, I would just say, just from listening to what you just said, Scott described, at the end of the day, Major League Baseball is dying to play because they need the TV contract money. They don't necessarily need the fans. And I think you can extrapolate that to college football, too. Let's just use the Liberty Bowl just because you brought it up as an example. If there's a contract to play the Liberty Bowl at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee, even if there are no fans there, the ultimate payout is going to come when ESPN televises it, televises it, and Memphis has the ability to have ESPN televise it. So I think those two things are probably more important than placating okay. the fans. And I also probably think one thing that hasn't been mentioned is it's probably more important to think about the student-athletes First, in terms of we want to play a bowl game somewhere, anywhere, a game that's aligned with our conference, I'm a senior, they're probably more important in the discussion to this than the random fan is. Uh, But I just do think that just by putting the bowl on television and probably having a contractual agreement with a certain bowl to play at a certain time, most importantly, on a certain network, which would generate more eyeballs than other networks, whether it's ESPN or ESPN2 or Fox, I think just putting the game on TV with no fans much like baseball starting perhaps next month with no fans, it satisfies the monetary requirements. And right now, just for the long-term vision and health of those bowls, that's probably the most important thing. It's not easy to say, let's just play for money, but if that keeps that goal in business for years to come, it's probably a short-term sacrifice that's worth it. Zubin, last week we heard the plan from the NHL, still some particulars to work through there. The NBA continues to work closer and closer into coming up with what they're going to do. 
you mentioned RSNs, the amount of money, the amount of games that need to be played. There continues to be talk, but 22 teams is kind of what I continue to hear in there. What does that mean for the eight teams that don't make it? There are RSNs and the amount of money that should be coming there. Do you have any idea? Yeah, I think what they would try to do is I think everybody's saying because it's a contract and it's an ink, it has to be done. But I think there has been some con- conversation about saying, look, if we just have to float these five games, I'll just give you an example. The Warriors are 15 and 50. And for your listeners that are not aware, the regional sports network contract has a team play a minimum of 70 games. For some teams, that's not feasible. The Lakers are on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. So that 70 threshold isn't really going to work for them because Turner and ESPN are going to want them on all the time. But for the majority of teams, 70 is where they fall. If you're the Warriors, you're five short. Are we really going to go through the rigmarole of all this, considering where we are in the country right now, just trying to get the sport going again? It's five games between the Golden State Warriors and their regional carrier, NBC Sports Bay Area. Is that really going to be mm-hmm. the tipping point? My guess is they're just going to waive some of this. Every team has played at least 63 games. So max. Every team would have to get to seven. Some teams have played 67 games, so they only have three games left to fulfill this. And I just don't think, in my opinion, guys, you might disagree, you cannot upset the apple cart. Mm-hmm. There are over three regular season games that might be meaningless. Great piece in the New York Times today talking about Walt Disney World, 18 hotels, four seasons, so much room that even MLS, which right now is in a lockdown scenario, lockdown, excuse me, <laughs> lockout scenario, that could be coming pretty soon. They could house the MLS and the NBA. Um, they have 20 courts. They can play two games at a time in addition to having other teams practice while those four teams play two games. Disney World's opening next month. There's a priceless message there for Disney World 2 guys that says, hey, come on back. It's safe. Look at, we've got the NBA here. We've mm-hmm. got all the players here. We've got soccer players here. So there's another message besides the monetary message. In addition, the NBA would spend tens of millions of dollars to house all of these people for as long as it takes. So it's obviously a win for Disney. It's a win for the NBA. Uh, and to your point, Trent, I think for the RSN, while there is a significant amount of money there, and I'm not poo-pooing it by any means, I think if it basically says we can get the league going again and we can make things happen in mid-July, which is what we're aiming for uh, at this point, and if a few regional sports contract games have to be broken, I think it can be done. It could get a little complicated because it seems like the Denver Nuggets and the New York Knicks, their ownership also owns the TV entity. So it's not like mm. they're really losing out. They don't have a contract, per se, with an outside carrier like other teams do. So I think, although I don't have any inside information on this, I think they'd be willing to waive that if the larger picture is, let's get basketball going. Uh, ESPN Zubin Mehente is with us. Of course, Zubin, formerly WOI-TV here in Des Moines. Uh, Zubin, I watched, uh, I haven't watched part two of Lance. I've meant to, but I just can't take my eye off what's going on um, You know, on, on the news channels uh, during these right. times. But I did get... Um, Imperfect. This Roy Halladay story watched uh, yesterday afternoon. Boy, Brandy Halladay, Doc's wife, what a courageous, courageous woman to sit down and to, you know, to share the story. Story that, look, I was a, I was a Doc Halladay fan when he was in Toronto and, and even when he went to Philadelphia. It was hard not to root for, you know, arguably one of the best pitchers of his era, right? And, and he's in the Hall of Fame and rightly so. But what a courageous woman Brandy Holiday was to share that story, uh, publicly as she did as well as her oldest son. I believe uh, his name is Braden. Um, boy, it was good. It was very well done. E60 feather in the their cap. Yeah, I would say that, you know, one of the things I think from journalism that I'm seeing now is, you know, feature stories, whether it's, you know, Michael is a different situation, 10 parts, just 
the years it took to put together. But whether it's Lance Armstrong, Bruce Lee, McGuire, Sosa, which are all coming, and this one about Roy Halladay, uh, a lot of the TV networks across the world have just essentially shut their features bureau because it is just so expensive. And in many cases, ESPN's a little bit different because they're a 24-7, 365 operation. In many cases, when you're watching news, Ken, when they have these big feature units, a lot of times it's very difficult for these networks to stomach spending this much money, spending weeks and months at a time for a story that in news, remember, will only air one time, right? It will mm-hmm. air one time, whereas Michael is repeated constantly. Any of these other stories that we're mentioning are always available for viewers to watch. So I think that's something that a lot of other maybe networks will take a look at now more closely because these features and documentaries are bringing a lot of people to the set. It's a ton of investment, but maybe it's worth it in the end. And the one thing I would tell you about his, his widow is I remember, if I'm not mistaken, she really burst onto my radar. This, this special was incredible, obviously, and you know, just the way that it ended. And obviously Roy's kind of, you know, he'll always be remembered in postseason lore for what he did. But I remember she gave his induction she speech did. at the Hall of Fame yep. when he was inducted posthumously. And I had really, you know, not heard from her before. And when I heard how strong she was getting up there giving that, you just kind of got the impression that whatever words she gave in this documentary were going to be incredibly poignant as well. I do remember that from Cooperstown. There's not a lot of Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame speeches I remember over the years at the Baseball Hall of Fame, but that's one of them. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Zubin, in our final minute with you here, Bruce Lee, the, uh, is it a two-parter, do you know, and and what do you, how do you think that this one will be received? I think this is going to be interesting just because it's a little bit more out of the box. I don't think a lot of people realize how young he died, how he died, what he meant, And I think, you know, the two letters in in ESPN, entertainment and sports, I think for many years, the lines between those two in a positive way have been blurring. You're more likely to see more pop culture stuff on ESPN than regular sports. Sometimes it's regular sports, less pop culture. But this is a guy that kind of bridged both. And I think it's one of those ones where you kind of look at it and say, you know, what can really be said about this? Because as you probably know, his son had also died in a tragic accident on a movie set. And there's a lot going on there. But it's similar to the Lance one, Ken. I'm sure you saw part one. And for your viewers that didn't see part one, make sure the kids aren't around for the first three minutes. I'll just (laughs) say that. But it's one of those things where you watch it and you're like, what do I need to know about Lance Armstrong? He cheated. He asked for forgiveness. He's a cancer survivor. He inspired so many people. He was an amazing cyclist, but was probably cheating right from the beginning. And now he's looking for a little bit of sympathy. And you're like, what else could I need to know? And then you watch it, and there's so many things that have never come to light. And, and Lance was the guy that was covered because obviously his heyday was the 90s and the 2000s. And so you think about it and say, well, I lived through that. I remember most of it. And then you watch it and you're like, I don't know. I, I didn't know any of this stuff. And now you look into a guy like Bruce Lee who was decades before him. So there's a humongous part of the audience that has no real first world experience with him. They may have heard about him, movies, all that stuff. But I think this is going to kind of play the role Lance did, which is if you think you kind of know somebody you'll probably be pretty surprised when you watch it on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it just from that one. Zubin, thank you as always. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thank you, Mante from ESPN. As we go around the world of sports uh, with Zubin. You watching? You in? Bruce I'm Lee? In. I'll watch it. I will, too. I'm looking for content. Yeah, I, uh, I am, too. I thought we were going to be closer to some clarity on these leagues at this I point. I thought so, too. It's I June. Just, yeah. It felt like um, the week after Memorial Day that last mm-hmm. week we were going to get some things done here. 
And <laughs> the NBA is close. They are. The NHL has a plan. Uh, Major League Baseball, they're talking. They're talking. They're exchanging. It's not like they've just you know closed up shop and gone home. Two very contentious sides, too. They really are. They really are. Trent, they, the game would look horrible if they oh. don't get this done. In some, respect. I don't want to imagine it. I just I, don't. Yeah, ninety four. It took a um, for a while. wasn't sure when they came back in ninety five. It was going to uh, what it was going to be like, and then the Sosa McGuire, which comes up in two weeks, played mm-hmm. a big, big role, and so did Ripken uh, in um, in getting the game back. Um, you know, on the front page in the newspaper. Anyways, so Governor Kim Reynolds is coming up. We will uh, hear her press conference at 11 o'clock. We're going to talk baseball. You know, I'm excited about the, if indeed we get NL Central and American League Central combined, those two, uh, those two divisions, same in the East, same in the West. Trent, I think there's a lot of, for one year, right? It's going to be different for one year. But if that's what we get, okay. You can handle that. I th- absolutely can handle that. You know, the uh, the Twins and the Cardinals, the Royals were, you know, I mean, it's going to be fun. I'm in. Royals, Cubbies. Yeah, a little more Twins Brewers. That's always a fun more series. More Twins Brewers is a fun series. Hey, could they use Miller Park to host one of those Scott Dockerman Bowl games? When we were talking about that, that actually popped in my head yesterday afternoon. There's another spot you can buy. I, I don't know what the field looks like to mention. I mean, we've seen Wrigley, how uh-huh. tight it can be. Right. I would guess, though, just thinking of it they in my put, mind. They put a game in Phoenix. They put a game in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> That's true. They gotta be able to use that. Yes. So there's another one. I I like this outside of the box thinking. We're seeing a lot of that uh, here as we um, get the hand dealt. It's never been dealt before. We'll do you, Kim Reynolds, at the top of the hour. Her twice weekly press conference on COVID nineteen. She'll join us. She'll join the airwaves at eleven o'clock, and then I will talk some more baseball at eleven thirty five with Matt Snyder, CBS Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty.